Welcome into another episode of the Ebony Bird Podcast, episode 14, heading in uh, right before Thanksgiving here. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can follow me on Twitter at jmcdonald95, contributor for Ebony Bird, which is ebonybird.com, the official podcast of the Baltimore Ravens through Fansighted. Of course, you can find us on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio, and you can download our app, the Ebony Bird app, from the App Store. Some articles today coming to you. The Baltimore Ravens checking in on the 2017 rookie draft class. And, or is the Baltimore Ravens defense good enough to carry them into the playoffs? Both those written by Richard Bradshaw. And then our um, own uh, site expert, Joe Schiller, who's going to join us in a second here. Baltimore Ravens, three big reasons to be optimistic for a playoff push. Again, Joe Schiller on that one. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Schiller with two R's. And our other site expert, Chris Schiller, is on Twitter at FootballMan58. So, before we get started, just wanted to make a note, excuse me for any uh, coughing or just raspy voice you hear from uh, my end of dealing with a little bit of a cold, Joe, Joe Flacco, uh, not the only uh, person dealing with the sniffles as Thanksgiving approaches, I tweeted that out this morning, uh, so the perfect timing for the, the virus to find me, just a little bit of a cold de- I'm dealing with, so want to welcome in our two site experts, both Chris and Joe Schiller, we'll go around the, the, uh, the round table here, just some thoughts, the Ravens, of course, a big 23 to nothing shutout win over the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau, in Lambeau Field. The Ravens' first ever victory at Lambeau Field. Uh, of course, doing it, getting their first shutout win of the season. And now uh, they are right neck and neck with the Buffalo Bills for the number six spot in the AFC playoffs. And despite all of uh, the struggles the Ravens have endured this season, particularly on offense, they find themselves right in the thick of things, of course, you know, in the playoff race. So we'll go over to Chris and then Joe. Uh, how are you feeling after the Ravens shutout win and going into this week against the Texans, which we'll talk to in a little bit? Just some recap of the Packers game and the Ravens' current standing uh, now just you know, right in the thick of things in the AFC despite uh, the lack of consistency they've had all throughout the season. Well, I feel like I should be a lot more excited after a 23 to nothing win on the road in Lambeau Field. But you're looking at a Ravens offense that, you know, after three turnovers for the Packers, they got three points. Uh, that that was problematic. Uh, the offense did next to nothing in this game. Take away the Mike Wallace uh, touchdown, which was a beautiful catch and a beautiful throw. Other than that, the offense didn't do much. Danny Woodhead's return was kind of nice, but, I mean, it didn't amount to a lot. And uh, the defense played great. We knew the defense could play great. This is kind of a game the Ravens did exactly what they were supposed to. They were supposed to beat the Packers senselessly. Um, honestly, I would say the Ravens didn't beat them enough. The Packers were out their top two running backs. Brett Hundley was the quarterback. And uh, Brian Belager, the right tackle, was out, not to mention the Packers' defense having a lot of problems this season. It could have been a get-right game for the offense, and it wasn't, and that's concerning. Uh, overall, good, but... And, you know, we did what we were supposed to, but I think we could have done more. Yeah, I agree with what you said, Chris. Uh, but just on the defensive side, you have to give them so much credit. I mean, it was absolutely dominant performance from the defense from all aspects, from the front seven to the secondary. I mean, starting off with the Jimmy Smith pick on the first drive, that really sent the momentum for the game because Hundley and the offense were really driving down the field, and it kind of felt like, like, how is this happening right now? And Jimmy Smith really came away with a clutch pick. In the, in the end zone, he's just continuing an all-pro kind of season. I mean, he's been incredible, and being able to stay healthy has been a huge gift for the secondary. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't I, – it's just when you play a quarterback like Brett Hundley, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter who you're playing. A shutout's impressive. I mean, you look at all the teams 
has gotten shutouts this year. I think there's only three other teams who've had, who have shutouts this season, and the Ravens have three total shutouts themselves. I mean, I don't care who you're coming up against in the NFL. To be able to hold the offense to absolutely zero points is impressive. I mean, they've been able to do this somehow and still have, I think it's a 26th or 27th-ranked uh, run defense and the second or third-ranked pass uh, defense. So defensive side of the ball, I don't think you can be any more happier than what you saw. But like Chris said on the offensive side, I mean, this game should have been 40, 45 to nothing. I mean, they had three points off the three turnovers, and then that one offensive drive, the Terrell Suggs uh, strip sack set them up on, like, their own 30-40 line, and they, still, they settled for a field goal. I mean, it made it a 16 to nothing game at the time, but if the Ravens really want to be a playoff team, and I think they'll make the playoffs, they need to start putting away games. I mean, it, that game felt so close until Alex Collins scored that touchdown at the end of the game, which isn't how it should have been when the, off, when the defense is forcing five turnovers. And like Chris said, I, Danny Woodhead's return was okay. I mean, I didn't think he was going to do a whole lot. It, they kind of made him as a decoy a couple plays. He had some decent pass or decent catches. I wasn't sure what the hell Flacco was thinking about on that one pass to him when, he was, uh, when Woodhead was covered by HaHa Clinton Dix. That was just a terrible uh, read by him and uh, just a bunch of tunnel vision, classic Flacco interception. But I think overall Flacco played decent. I mean, I can't really be mad at him other than that one play. He played efficient, had that great pitching catch to Mike Wallace. That was an incredible catch. And I love that he did the Lambo leap right in front of the Green Bay crowd. But uh, this offense needs to step it up, and we know this defense is good enough to carry them to a playoff berth, but if they really want to get somewhere past the sixth seed, then they need to start producing on the offensive side of the ball. And one thing we did want to hit on, uh, particularly on the Ravens' front, is whether or not the game would have turned out differently if Aaron Rodgers had played. Again, uh, the, you know, the Packers, a lot, a lot like the Ravens, are a really banged-up team dealing with a lot of injuries. And really, we're seeing uh, you know, how desperate the Packers are for some help uh, without their star quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. And I think uh, we all are seeing uh, just how much they are um, a shell of their former selves. And I do think you know, asking ourselves if this Packers game could have, you know, if it was fool's gold due to uh, the Packers not having Aaron Rodgers, not having their top couple running backs, I honestly think it was. I think, you know, the Ravens have never beaten Aaron Rodgers. They're 0-2 against him in his career. I think if, if Rodgers had, you know, the, the, the Packers' offensive line isn't great. They're, you know, when Rodgers was playing, he had to do it all this year. But I do think if Aaron Rodgers had played, a lot like some of the other games the Ravens are going to play, like whether or not Deshaun Watson had played for the Texans or if Andrew Luck, you know, is going to play for the Colts. I think, you know, if, if there if there were some higher quality quarterbacks that the Ravens would be facing, not only could some of their previous games have turned out differently, but also some of the games they're going to play in the future could turn out differently. And I think this Packers game could very well have been one if Rodgers had played. Uh, Joe and then Chris, do you think if Rodgers had played in this game, the result might have been a little bit different? Yeah, I think it would have. I mean, when you're coming up against the perennial Hall of Famer and Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I think it's definitely going to be a little bit different. But, I mean, I feel like you could say the same about the Ravens. I mean, they've had so many injuries this year. Like, look at the offensive line with healthy. James Hurst wouldn't be getting beat on the left side of the line when Ronnie Stanley's out. I mean, just think about – you could say the same thing for the Ravens, too. I mean, some of the results earlier this season, you have a better offensive line. You have some of the running backs uh, back. You have a couple more guys in the secondary. I mean, this Ravens team, I think, could win a couple more games that they lost earlier this season. But, I mean, you just look how bad the Packers are without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, even like you said, even when he's in, he still struggles because they don't have a ton of other weapons uh, for him to do with, and the defense just isn't that great to begin with. So, I mean, 
I think it would have been different, but I mean, you can say <coughs> play hypotheticals with everything. I mean, the Ravens—it's just for, um, the reality the Ravens are dealing with. I mean, they come up against I think three more uh, backup quarterbacks at least the rest of the season. So I mean, they're just taking advantage of the games that they have left. And this AFC is so bad this year that I mean, they have to make the playoffs. I mean, there's no excuse that they can't make it. Yeah, I agree with what Joe said. Basically, no team is allowed to whine about injuries to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Ravens have had a lot of injuries, but Aaron Rodgers, that's not a normal injury. That's thats a big deal. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in football, in my opinion, and when you don't have the best quarterback in football, your team's not going to be the same. You saw the Indianapolis Colts when Peyton Manning went down. Uh, the Packers are just a little bit better than that, not much. Um it's it's a little troublesome for Green Bay, but, uh, you know, who knows what would have happened if the Ravens had to face Rodgers. I do know this, that if the Ravens kept Rodgers in the game, the Packers would have made them pay for it. And one thing we did want to touch on, we're going to go over a bunch of things about the Ravens during the Ebony Bird podcast tonight. We're going to talk about the Ravens' playoff picture. We've kind of <clears throat> alluded to the fact that despite how – uh, mediocre they have been this year. They do have a very nice chance to make the playoffs. We'll get into that. We're going to talk. We're going to look at the upcoming Monday night uh, game coming up on Monday against the Houston Texans, the Ravens' first Monday night game in over five years at home. And then, but we did want to touch on one thing about uh, the Ravens before we move on. Just praising some of the young defensive stars that have really played a part so far, uh, especially in this in this past uh, Packers game. We saw Marlon, Marlon Humphrey get his first career interception. Uh, possibly a lot of people are talking about he could possibly take some snaps away from Brandon Carr as the season goes on, and uh, in addition to his duties of uh, helping out Jimmy Smith's uh, sore Achilles with his tendonitis, I believe it is, all season long. We can talk about Matt Judon having three sacks in his last two games, having five on the season, including two on Sunday. And we can also talk about Willie Henry, you know, a guy who had two sacks on Sunday and was, you know, a fourth-round pick last year who barely got on the field and has really turned it around this year and, now finds himself being a run stuffer, being a, a guy that's getting sacks, and this was never supposed to happen, but, you know, but due to the injuries to Brent Urban, the departures of Timmy Jernigan and Lawrence Guy, you know, uh, Willie Henry, a nice fourth-round pick from last year, finally getting on the field. Uh, Chris and then Joe, really a lot of young guys, particularly on defense, making their uh, presence felt on Sunday. Well, I, I'm never going to stop bragging about uh, Marlon Humphrey. I, I was on the Marlon Humphrey train before the Ravens drafted him. I, I really like Humphrey out of Alabama. Uh, so I'm glad to see him being successful. I was actually disappointed. He was this close to his first career touchdown as well, and he just got tackled short. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. Matthew Don is playing – he might be playing the best at the outside linebacker spot right now, including Terrell Suggs. When you look at Jadon – He's just constantly winning the battle off the edge. When he doesn't get the sack, he gets the pressure. When he doesn't, uh, when he's not rushing the passer, he's stuffing the run. He's playing outside contain. Don is really hard to deal with. His length and his tenacious play is just un- unmatchable right now. He's doing an unbelievable job. I love, I love Madjudon. I, I can't get enough of this second-year player from Grand Valley State, who would have thought we'd draft Tim Williams and Tyus Bowser and Matt Don would end up being the stud of the group 
uh, just fantastic. And Willie Henry, most improved player from a year ago. I just night and day. Yeah, Humphrey's been a thought. I mean, everyone kind of harped on the Ravens for taking a cornerback in the first round and not taking any of those wide receivers or even O.J. Howard, his former teammate. And you look at all those players, and Humphrey's pretty much fared the best out of any of them. He hasn't been injured. I mean, he hasn't been injured in the preseason, but he's been healthy for the entire season. He's taking away snaps from Brandon Carr already. But I think they'll keep Brandon Carr around next year. But Humphrey, I mean, I think he's good enough if he keeps playing this play the rest of the season to start alongside Jimmy Smith next season. And that's just a testament to how well he's been playing. And Judon, I mean, he's playing out of his mind right now. I mean, I don't think there's really anything else you can say about it. It makes you feel more comfortable with Terrell Starks kind of on this last leg and maybe the next year or so that you're going to have those guys step up already right now and give you that confidence. Um, even Zedaria Smith, too, isn't playing too bad. I, mean, I don't think we expect a whole lot of them, but he's been a decent rotation player this year. And Willie Henry, I think, if I'm not mistaken, has the most uh, snapped the defensive line uh, this Sunday. And he's just been a stud, too. I mean, Ozzy has really hit on a couple of these defensive draft picks, which kind of frustrates you because you wish you could do the same on the offensive side of the ball. But, I mean, we won't harp on that. We'll just focus on how well the defense is playing. So, yeah, I mean, young guys are playing great. And they've got swagger. You can see this team really enjoys enjoys playing defense. I mean, after the Marlon Humphrey interception, they were, like, take, posing, taking pictures. And they are just – all that – whatever sack dance they did, I don't even know what that was. That was the funniest thing I've ever awesome. seen in my life. That was hilarious. I mean, it's so fun watching this defense play. They look like they're having the time of their lives right now. And they're playing so well. And I don't, I don't, there's nothing really else you can say about it. You just hope that you can get that production on the other side of the ball. And this is a good Ravens football team. Well, the Ravens, again, finding themselves on the playoff hunt. I'm going to break down the AFC playoff picture right now as we answer Week 12. But feel it, we should acknowledge the NFC. Just a quick rundown. The Eagles are 9-1, and one, leading uh, that they would have the number one seed if the season ended today. The Vikings and the Saints are both 8-2. and two. The Rams are 7-3. and three. And then in the wild card, the Panthers are 7-3 and three, with the Falcons at 6-4. and four. And then we also have in the hunt the Lions and the Seahawks at 6-4, and four, the Packers and the Cowboys at 5-5. Five and five. And then the Redskins, Cardinals, and Buccaneers are all 4-6. and six. So focusing on the AFC now uh, side of things, the Steelers and the Patriots lead at 8-2. Eight, eight and two. Uh, The Jaguars are the number three seed at 7-3. and three. The Chiefs are 6-4 and four after starting off the season strong. They're slipping and falling into the same old Chiefs we're used to knowing and loving. And then uh, two the two uh, spots right now in the wild card would be the Titans at 6-4 and four and the Ravens at 5-5. Five and five. And then in the hunt, we have the Bills at 5-5, five and five, then a bunch of 4-6 and six teams, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Bengals, the Texans, the Chargers, and the Raiders, all teams at 4-6, and six, the AFC much tighter than the NFC. Uh, there are, you know, a bunch of teams that have worse records than that that are being uh, discounted as of now unless they would all make some miraculous comebacks. But right now, those are the teams in the playoff picture, the Ravens. Uh, so, like, I mean, if the season ended today, they would have the number six seed. And uh, really, the top competition right now is the Buffalo Bills, who are going in a complete just tailspin right now into the garbage can, uh, where they've seemingly landed uh, for the past several years now, failing to make the playoffs. Uh, benching Tyrod Taylor, just, a, just what a mess. You know, you hate to see that to a guy like uh, Tyrod Taylor. Certainly hope that he gets another shot, uh, whether it's there or somewhere else, because it certainly looks like they're not going to let him get another shot. Uh, just completely butchered that situation right there uh, last week. But looking ahead at the Ravens' remaining schedule now, six games left, four of them at home. Uh, the Texans at home and the Lions at home. And then we could go on the road to the Steelers on Sunday night football and then at the Browns and then returning home to face the Colts and the Bengals. So the Ravens, I mean, we've kind of, we kind of have hinted at the Ravens needing four wins to finish at nine and seven to make the playoffs, but that's what they need to do. They need four wins out of those six games. And I think that's extremely doable. I think, 
all these games really are winnable. The toughest ones being the Steelers on Sunday night and the Lions game at home because Matt, you're going to have to deal with Matt Stafford. But the, what, what can't the Lions do? They can't run. And the Ravens have a big run-stuffing defense that has, yes, been disappointing at times this year. But you look at that matchup, and you certainly like what the Ravens might be able to, to do there. Uh, I, I'm hesitant to bring up the home field advantage now with that Lions game at M&T because the Ravens have certainly not played as well at home over the past two or three years. Um, so I don't necessarily think that the home field advantage is a big deal for the Ravens now. But when you consider that they're going to be facing a Tom Savage-led Texans team, a Jacoby Brissett-led Colts team, and an um, uh, Andy Dalton-led, excuse me, couldn't think of his name, uh, Bengals team, those are three quarterbacks that when coming at M&T Mank Stadium, certainly uh, you do have a shot against. So we'll go over to Joe and then Chris. Out of the you know those six games left, we we think that four is the magic number here. And if you look at that, you know, if if this season is any indicator, we have no idea what's going to happen. But looking at it now, that is very doable to get to nine and seven. Wins is the goal. Uh, five would also be ideal. Put them at ten and six. But I think with the Steelers and Lions, those are two very tough games, two good teams this season. But I mean, even the Bengals who've been playing very recently still struggled. This not that great. Um, tiebreakers over the bill because over the bills because of conference record and the Raiders and over the Dolphins. So they're very good position and whatever the heck is going on with the Bills. I started Nathan Peterman at quarterback and my fantasy team last week and I regret doing that because he got me negative seven points and I lost because of this. Thanks for that, Nathan. Yeah, the Ravens are in the driver's seat. Their division is not in reach, but the Steelers can be their best friend best friend the rest of the beat some of these common, common opponents that the Ravens need to lose. So the only team I would actually be kind of worried about is the Chargers because they're catching a little bit of heat. They're at four and six. They're a very good team if they can get the offense going. The defense has been very good with Joey Bosa. But, I mean, other than that, I think the three through six seed right now, anything could happen. I mean, the Titans are, I mean, kind of up in the air. They got blown out by the Steelers. The Jaguars, I really wish the Ravens could have another chance with them because I think they could definitely make it a lot closer and probably win. Chiefs aren't playing that well. I mean, the Ravens have a chance, and I, it's theirs to lose. And this is one of those years when the AFC is mediocre that you're kicking yourself if you can't make the playoffs. And it could ultimately come to cost John Harbaugh's job if the Ravens don't win because they have the easiest schedule out of any remaining team in the NFL right now. And they're coming against three backup quarterbacks. So whoever dumpster fire the Browns are going to pull out. So, I mean, there's no reason that they shouldn't be in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. If the Ravens don't make the playoffs, you really need to – figure something else out. It's just that simple. This is a golden opportunity. We own a lot of the tiebreakers. The Ravens are in good shape right now. They just have to do it, and that's a problem. You don't know if they can because they've given you that reason for doubt. I mean, I've always been one of the more optimistic Ravens fans. I've always been uh, told I'm sipping the Kool-Aid or I'm a homer, but you know what? That Kool-Aid has always tasted pretty darn good. Right now, it tastes sour and warm and icky. You know, it's just not its not doing it for us. So there's a lot of reason for negativity, but there's a lot of reason for positivity, and we're going to see which one weighs out the other. We're going to see if the Ravens can string something together here because that's the key. You know they can win just about every one of these games, uh, the the key is stringing those wins together. That's the one thing they haven't done this season. If they do that during the playoffs, they have every opportunity to, to do it. It's, it's up to them. Well, I'm I'm kind of getting like you know this is kind of a different vibe than I've gotten over the past several weeks. I know uh, really ever since the Ravens went to London, there have been a lot of times where we've sat on this podcast and. 
I mean, Chris in particular, you've mentioned how the Ravens need to hit the reset button. Uh, we'll go to you and then, you know, Joe on this. With that, you know, with, with the Ravens finding themselves in the, in the playoff hunt, with all the, you know, there's been a lot of bad football all around the NFL this year. It's not just the Ravens. Uh, even though the Ravens are in the, the, you know, the playoff hunt, we have had several discussions week after week about the need for possibly a new head coach, possibly new people in the front office to maybe uh, help draft better with the, you know, the failures in the draft over the past several years. We've talked about the need for possibly drafting a quarterback, in, you know, this year. If the Ravens make the playoffs, do you think, like, if they make the playoffs, would is a reset still a possibility in the offseason? Because you would think if they made the playoffs this year, that would just prolong the Ozzie Harbaugh era, which all of us have been saying in recent weeks may need to change pretty soon. Well, here's the problem. We're not bad enough for it to benefit us. So we might as well try to get to the playoffs. If you get to the playoffs, you're not going to fire a coach. I agree with everything you're saying, Jake. I just I don't know what I don't know what to do. I mean you you're not gonna fire your coach after the you get to the playoffs. That just doesn't seem like something Bashadi would do. Something's gotta change, you know. I, I would think winning is going to prevent change and they have a great opportunity to win. I think it really just goes to show, I mean, if the Ravens do make the playoffs this year, as bad as they've been in certain games, it just really goes to show how even the NFL in particular the AFC is right now and not in a good way. Yeah, I'd Absolutely. like to see if they make the playoffs, how far they go. Because I feel like it's going to be a different vibe if they, like, sneak into a wild-card spot and get destroyed by whoever they're playing. Or they get into a wild-card spot, make a little noise, maybe win a game, make it to the divisional round, then lose. I don't know. It's a really tough question because I agree with you guys that if they make the playoffs, John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh is not going to get fired. I mean, but then you just think about, like, it was the NFC West, like, six or seven years ago. Like, do you fire a head coach if your team gets 7-9 and nine and wins your division and makes the playoffs? Like, you're not going to um, fire a coach for making the playoffs. I mean, even it doesn't matter how bad your team is. I mean, the rest of the AFC has been just as bad as the Ravens have been this year. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I still think there's some things they can do, like draft a quarterback in the second or third round and try to find a Flacco replacement. But it's a, it's a really tough question. I think we really have to see how this season plays out before we can fully answer that. And certainly if the Ravens do get in the playoffs, all bets are off because, look, the way it's looking now – if we look at the possibilities that the Ravens would be going to, it looks like they'd be either going to play the Jaguars or the Chiefs, and uh, those are two very winnable games, um, especially much easier. I mean, if you're looking at from a team standpoint, uh, the Ravens, you know, the Jaguars have one of the best defenses in the NFL, probably the best, uh, but that, the, certainly the Ravens fans would travel very well to Jacksonville. The Chiefs might be a little bit more of a tougher place to play, but I don't think the team is as good as we thought they were at the beginning of the season. So, Moving on now, we are the Ebony Bird Podcast. Again, Ebony underscore Bird on Twitter as well as EbonyBird.com. And, of course, you're listening to this podcast through either iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. Make sure to download our app from the App Store and check out all of our content, either through mobile or your desktop device. I'm contributor Jake McDonald for Ebony Bird, the official Baltimore Ravens website of Fansided. I am McDonald 95 on Twitter, and I do run another Baltimore sports blog called Charm City Birdwatch. You can check us out at charmcitybirdwatch.com. And, of course, our two site experts, Chris Schistler at Man 58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller with two R's joining us tonight on the podcast. So, fellas, uh, looking ahead post-Thanksgiving here, uh, the Ravens, we've had a couple of Sundays here recently where we've gotten to watch some other teams, whether the Ravens played uh, later in the day or whether they had their bye week or they played on Thursday night. We've had a couple Sundays now to sit back and watch the rest of the league, and that's exactly what we're going to get to do this week is the Ravens have 
Sunday off before uh, returning home for the first time in almost a month, uh, Monday night, to play the Texans on ESPN at 830. It has been about a month the last time the Ravens played at M&T Bank Stadium, being the 40 to nothing shutout, another shutout over the Miami Dolphins, and you think... After that game, they had 10 days off, and then they hit the road to play Tennessee. Then they had their bye, and then they had uh, another away game before coming back home on a Monday night. So it's been a while before they they played at M&T, and it really has been a while, uh, you know, more five years to be exact, more than five years, and they've played at home on Monday night. Uh, the Texans coming in, who are 2-6 and six all-time against the Ravens, and they've never won in Baltimore 0-4 all-time. Uh, the Texans' defense, they've really been disappointing this season you know, after losing guys like J.J. Watt. They're 20th in the NFL in yards per game, 26th in pass defense. They are 7th against the run, uh, so we will be probably seeing more of a pass focus here with the, their struggles, um, the Texans' struggles, that is. The, uh, Tom Savage, who the Ravens are going to be facing, has four touchdowns and three picks this season. He has six career starts with a record of 2-4. and four. He has four touchdowns and four picks. This season, he's averaging just over seven yards a completion, uh, average yards per attempt this season. He does have a uh, 68.75 completion percentage. I have the Ravens winning this game 24-13. to uh, I think the defense will have another solid showing against another backup quarterback that uh, doesn't have a lot of business starting games in the NFL. And I think that's really going to be the difference. If we were looking at a normal game with Deshaun Watson coming in, kind of like we were talking to earlier with Rodgers, I think the game might be a little bit different, so we'll go over to Joe and Chris. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game five, six days away pre-Thanksgiving heading into it uh, later in the week, you know, obviously with the Monday night? What do you think about this game coming up, first Monday night game in five years in Baltimore? Another muscle-in game. I mean, the Ravens still have a couple. Like we talked about, the Steelers and the Lions coming up, so it's a game they absolutely must win. It's a game they can absolutely can win, because I think Tom Savage is terrible. Um, I mean, he has DeAndre Hopkins, who's one of the best receivers in the NFL right now, so that definitely helps no matter who's throwing the ball to him. But they just lost Deontay Foreman, uh, I believe, for the season or for an extended time. Will Fuller's out. Um, so, I mean, Hopkins worries me, but with how long he's probably not a little bit better because of it. Um, defense hasn't been great without J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless. They've suffered a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Dwayne Brown's not there anymore after he got traded. Ravens have a big opportunity to get the Savage like they did the, like they did the Hundley and force some turnovers. I, this is a game the Ravens should win. I think they'll maybe rely on the Brown game a lot again. Hopefully we'll see Woodhead more involved. I'd like to see him hopefully get into the end zone this week. I think the Ravens will win. Uh, give me uh, the Ravens 27-10. to 10. I, I, I don't think the Texans are going to play too well. I don't think Tom Savage can do anything against this defense. And at home on Monday night, this is the type of game the Ravens get up for. Uh, give me the Ravens 27 to 10. I don't think the offense will do much, but I don't think they're going to have to. Well, with that being said, we're going to wrap it up here on this edition of the Emily Bird Podcast. Again, I'm uh, your host, contributor Jake McDonald with our two set experts. I guess but quickly before uh, we do go, we should go around the table with Thanksgiving being uh, the podcast coming out on Wednesday, so it'll be tomorrow. Uh, but recording this on Tuesday night, we're two days away. So just kind of go around. Uh, we'll start off with me and then go to Chris and then Joe. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I love Thanksgiving almost as, as much as Christmas. I love uh, visiting family that I haven't seen in a while. You know, I'm home for about 10 days, and I'm enjoying every second of not having to worry about college work at all. Uh, I love just sitting around the table with uh, the family, just eating uh and enjoying football all day. I know the games this year aren't as uh, sexy as normal. Again, we have the Vikings and the Lions at 12 o'clock or 12.30 on uh, 
Thursday, followed by Chargers and Cowboys, then Giants and Redskins at night. Uh, but I loved I loved sitting around watching football all day and, and eating you know food with my family. Uh, you can't go wrong with turkey and and gravy. You can't go you can't go wrong with gravy on anything. I'm a big stuffing guy. Uh, mashed potatoes, uh, cranberry sauce, that, pumpkin pie. I do I do it all. What are your guys' favorite uh, Thanksgiving uh, foods as we go around here? Uh, I love stuffing. I, I love stuffing a lot. I like turkey. I like corn, and I like to get all the Stuffing, corn, mashed potatoes, turkey, gravy into one bite. That's that's my thing, and I like to keep doing that. And I always get uh, I always get a drumstick. That's that's my thing. I always, I always get the drumstick. I got to. Okay, I I can uh, do that. I, I, I'm a turkey guy. I'll eat it. I think it's a little overrated, honestly. If I can go with ham, I would. But my family always gets the turkey anyway. Uh, big stuffing guy, green bean casserole, get some sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes. I mean, whatever you put on my plate, I'll pretty much eat it. I mean, it's Thanksgiving, so, I mean, I just load up for all the food I can eat, and especially pies and stuff after that. Give me a good apple pie or a pumpkin pie, and I'm set. That's a good Thanksgiving meal for me. Well, with that, we will wrap it up. We certainly, all of us, uh, I'm going to speak for Chris and Joe here, and along with myself when I say we want to wish all of our listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Enjoy the time with your families. Enjoy the uh, delicious food, and hopefully the good games uh, football games, and, uh, you know, of course, the Ravens will be taking the field a couple of days after Thanksgiving. Well, the next time we come to you, uh, we'll all be back to normal as, as I will depart back for Bloomsburg, and I'm sure Joe will head back to McDaniels. We get ready for uh, the last couple weeks of our semester and finals week and all that good stuff. So uh, with that, we'll say until next time, I'm Jake McDonald. Again, McDonald 95 on Twitter. For our two site experts, Chris Schistler at FootballMan58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller with two R's. We're going to say goodnight, and we will see you next time, hopefully after another Ravens win. Be sure to subscribe again on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio, and check us out at ebonybird.com. We'll see you next week right here on the Ebony Bird Podcast.